Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Turn your Bible, if you would, to Judges chapter 6. We're going to dive into the Word this morning. I love the Word of God. I trust you love the Word of God. To me, I I like an encouraging um, Word, but I want it based in the Word. I want to know that God is saying something, God is speaking something. And uh, I want to talk about becoming victorious this morning, becoming victorious. And I think part of it is understanding ourselves, understanding the way we think. And maybe you sometimes struggle with how you think about yourself. Maybe you struggle with how you think about your life and where you are in life and where you should be. And maybe you struggle with feeling that people around you are too weak. Or maybe you struggle with how you think about God. People struggle with different thoughts. They struggle with how they think about different things. I know a lot of people look strong, but you'd be surprised how many people are actually very strong and how many people struggle with thoughts, thoughts of depression, thoughts of discouragement. Even people that look very strong in God can really struggle with things. You're not alone today. And I want to go to this book of Judges, chapter 6. It talks about a man named Gideon. I've preached on Gideon before, but I'm going to take a little different twist from it. Um, the background of the story is this. The children of Israel, which a lot of the Old Testament is about, is the children of Israel, they were full of evil. They were disobeying God. They had made idols that were, God was upset about. And so God withdrew his hand from them for a season. And for seven years, they became very oppressed and attacked by the Midianites so much so that they lived in fear day and night. They lived in fear. They hid in caves. They hid in the hills. And they would have to do things in secret. And there came a point where they finally said, God, we need help. You know, sometimes God will let you get to a point where you cry out to him and say, I need some help. You know, I think one of the hardest things people deal with in life, in all honesty, is living for God when things are going well. Because a lot of times when things are going well, we think we did it. And we think, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people do. They think, well, you know, my life's going well. I've got a good job. I've got things going for me. And so I'm I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with my family. I'm happy with my finances. I'm happy with stuff. My health is good. I have no real needs. And sometimes people struggle really living for God during those times. I mean, they know God. They may love God. They may even come to church. But really being sold out and passionate for God, God wants to be loved. God is a jealous God. He wants to be loved. He wants to be wanted. And sometimes we can struggle in our relationship with God and things can get a little loose. And with the the Israelites, things got loose to the point where they started falling into sin. They started uh, serving idols and they started really turning from God and God allowed them to, to live that, God allowed that to take place, and they ended up crying out to God. And crying out to God is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Sometimes God, in his incredible mercy, allows things to go a little sideways so that we will cry out to him. And we, God does not want us to live in places of oppression, but sometimes that is the only time you will get serious with God. And God will put you in places that are difficult to either get you serious or to take you to your next level in him. We can can become very complacent 
with God. We can become very complacent. I'm good. God, if I stay here for the rest of my life, I'm fine. I'm good. And God sometimes needs to push us into another realm. And the journey that each person takes is different. Gideon is in a different place. And God wanted Gideon to become a leader. God needed Gideon to become a leader. He needed a leader to rise in Gideon. And he needed Gideon to see himself as a leader. So pick it up from verse 12. And we'll see where Gideon's mindset is and where God's mindset is. And the angel of the Lord, verse 12 of Judges 6, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Didn't it feel like, reading that passage, that this was two different conversations? Like God was trying to say one thing and Gideon was trying to say another thing. You ever talk to somebody and you're having a conversation, but you're not talking about the same thing? And you're talking like over each other or you're talking, or maybe you talk to somebody and neither one of you are listening, you're just talking. And it's frustrating. I'm sure God, you know, I, I, I wonder what God thinks sometimes of us, sometimes the way we have come. God's trying to talk to us. God's trying to build this man up. God's trying to say, you're going to do some great stuff. And he's not even listening. He's not even hearing what God is saying. Sometimes God's trying to speak to us. We're not even listening. We don't even realize. We cry out to God. And then when he speaks, we don't listen. And Gideon's not listening and he's telling God, God, your idea isn't going to work. God, I, you don't understand who I am not. You don't understand what I can't do. And who are we to tell God what well, won't work? The problem wasn't God's idea not working. The problem was Gideon not working. He wasn't working. He wasn't willing to put in the work. He wasn't willing to put in the time. God is always ready to put in the work. God's always ready to put in the time. But sometimes we're not ready to work because many times the miracles that it takes for God to perform, he works through us. How many miracles have been stopped up because we refuse to work? We refuse to engage ourselves in the process because we know it's going to be hard. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, Pastor, just pray for me. I just need God to do it. And, they, and, and by the time I'm done talking to them, they don't want to do anything. They just want God to do everything. And it's not that God can't do everything, but many times God wants to do something through you to bring you to another level in him. But if you're not willing to work, many times your miracles are left by the roadside. How many miracles have been missed? How many healings have been missed? How many finances, breakthroughs, children, families have been missed because people of God aren't willing to work? Well, if God wants to heal me, he does. It's not if. He does. But you may have to fight for it. 
You may have to work for You may have to wake up every day declaring the healing power of Jesus. You may have to wake up every day declaring that God is good. God is a healer. God is victorious. You may have to ask the Lord, so what do I do today for my healing? You may have to talk to the Lord when you go to sleep. I thank you, Father. You're giving me a great night's sleep. I have the peace of God. I have the mind of God. I thank you. I'm not going to be in any pain. You may have to use your voice to declare some things. You may have to use your body to work some things out. There's process where we've got to do I would love God to just do stuff all the time for us. And it's not that he does. He does. But the few things he asks us to do, sometimes we're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. And it's work. And we have to be willing. Are we willing to put in the work? Gideon had three problems. Well, he had more than that, but let's talk about three. He had a problem with how he saw himself. He had a problem with how he saw his tribe. And he had a problem with how he saw God. He had a problem with vision. He had a problem with identity. He had a problem with image. Many times our problem is how we see things. And here he talks about, let's talk about the first problem. Gideon struggled because he saw God as being wrong. How many times have I prayed with somebody, or even myself, have I thought, God got this wrong? God missed this. God didn't know what he was doing when he did that. And sometimes we think God gets it wrong. Look at what he says in verse 13. He said, and Gideon said to the angel of the Lord, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this stuff happened to us? And where are all his miracles, and which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You know, God must get so tired of being blamed for everything. How many times have we blamed God for something that's not his fault? This was not God's fault. This was the children of Israel's fault. The children of Israel were sinning. The children of Israel were inviting evil. The children of Israel had opened themselves up to idolatry. The children of Israel stopped serving God. But he had the gall to turn to God and say, God, where are your miracles? God, how come, you, how come this all happened to us? No realization. It was you. You brought this on yourself. How many times have we made a mess and then said, God, where were you? <laughs> we make a mess. We have a mess. And some of our messes come different ways. One way it comes is we don't even bother to ask God. So God, what do you think we should do about this? Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I have this relationship? Should I not? Should I, be, should I do this or not do this? We don't even ask God. And then when it all blows up, we're like, God... You know, the Bible says to bring everything to the Lord. Bring every request. Bring every situation. You're making this decision. You and I, I know you're smarter than me, but we're not that smart. We don't know things like God knows things. And sometimes in our own, whatever you want to call it, pride, arrogance, ignorance, we make decisions that make a mess. 
And it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just the reality. You make decisions and you didn't talk to God. Or we talk to God and he tells us what to do and we're like, no, we're good. And some of us have done that. I've done that. God says, I want you to do this. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to do all that. And I'm just being honest. We struggle with our obedience to God. And then a mess comes. We're like, God, where are you? And he's like, why didn't you just do what I told you to do? You know, I've had people come to me. I I remember years ago, I had a, a, a lady come to me. And she really wanted to marry this guy. And this is, I don't even, I can't even tell you who it was, actually, off the top of my head. She, I don't even think she's here anymore. But she was really wanting to marry this guy. And uh, I, I remember saying to her, I, I don't see that. I don't believe it's right. And uh, so she'd go to different pastors. Well, she finally found somebody at the altar to agree with her. <laughs> and the marriage lasted about a year before the whole thing blew up. And it wasn't that anybody was trying to hurt her. God just knows. He knows stuff we don't know. And sometimes we're so desperate to get our own way, we don't realize we're making a mess. And then what's so frustrating is Gideon has the gall to blame God. Like, where have you, how, how did you allow all this to happen? How did you let this all go down, God? How, God... How did you forsake us? And I'm sitting there going, who forsook who? God says in his word over and over again, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So if you feel forsaken, I promise you, God didn't move. You moved. God's here. Sometimes we become unyoked to God. We move ourselves out of God's hand. We move ourselves out from God's covering. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And I know thousands of Christians and believers who know that to be true. Many who are sitting right in this room. We know that to be true. God's never left us. God's never forsaken us because we keep ourselves under the shadow of the Almighty. But as soon as we move outside, we may feel forsaken. We may feel as though God has left us. God never left you. You left him. God says he won't forsake you. He says even if you make your bed in hell, he'll be there. I mean, this is God's word we're talking about. This is his promise to us. Don't make up your own rules. Gideon's trying to make up his own interpretation of revisionist history. Let me revise history. No, no, no. Your people have been totally rebellious against God. Now you want to blame God. But God in his incredible love and his incredible mercy, despite all of our craziness and despite us turning, he still pulls us back. He still draws us in. Says, I know you're a little out there. Come on, let's come back. Come on back. Come on. Are you you done yet? (laughs) You know you got that child in your house. And you know you got to get it back. But sometimes you just need to let them touch the stove once. Just so they won't do it again. You know as a parent you shouldn't. But man, if they just, they got to listen at some point. And sometimes you just have to, 
carefully with, with your little guard around them, let them go a little too far so they learn and come back. And you don't want them to, but in your mercy as a parent, you're going, are you done yet? Are you ready to go? Yes, I'm ready to come back. Yes, Daddy, I'm sorry. I should have listened. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Lesson learned. Let's go on. And sometimes God allows us because we don't have a right relationship. We got to stop blaming God for everything. God is not the source of your problems. There's two that are the source of your problems. Satan's is the source. So you need to learn how to rebuke him because he's the source. And many times you're the source. Now, I know nobody else thinks that. But at least one of us in this room, and I'll point to me, thinks that sometimes it's my fault. I'm the source of my own problems. And I know that many times. Not every time. Sometimes things blindside me. I'm in a good place with God. I'm doing everything I know to do. And the enemy blindsides us. Absolutely. It happens both ways. But I can't blame God. Even, I have to understand, the, God's always trying to draw me close. He's always trying to bring me closer. And sometimes he'll allow stuff even that I had nothing to do with, just so that I'll draw closer to him. If your version of God is always defeated, you will never be victorious. If your version of God is always being defeated, well, God's never come through for me. I've never seen God do anything great. Well, God will never, you know, if your version of God is always defeated, you'll never be victorious. It'll never happen. It all starts with God. Everything starts with God. And if your relationship with God is God's never done anything for you, God's never provided, God's, never, God's not working on your behalf, you will never be victorious. You will never see God move in your life. Many times the reason we struggle seeing God in victory is we have a narrow definition of victory. Well, God let me down when I took this job. And they were supposed to give me a promotion, and it didn't happen. And God let me down. How do you know that that was supposed to be yours anyways? Well, God let me down in a situation in my family. God let me down. God let me down in a health situation. See, God doesn't see victory like this. He sees victory like this. He knows the beginning from the end. He sees it from 30,000 feet. He doesn't, he's not down here. He sees sometimes what you're going through will lead somebody else to Christ. Sometimes your crisis leads somebody else to the cross. Sometimes your situation is exactly what somebody else needed so that they can receive the healing in their life. Many times we see things so myoptic. We see things so tight. And this is my definition of victory. And if I pray this prayer and God doesn't answer this prayer the way I want him to answer this prayer, then God is a defeated God. And we don't see God as victorious. And we get mad at God. We harbor bitterness at God. God didn't answer my prayer. Listen, every believer that I know that's lived any type of life for Christ is going to have times when they're going to be disappointed with their level of victory. There's going to be times when you wish God would have done something that you wanted God to do the way you wanted him to do it. But God many times will take different ways to get to different results. God is not obligated to do things your way. 
He's not obligated to respond to your prayer the way you want him. God sees so much of the bigger picture. And Gideon's not understanding. Listen, I want to bring your people to defeat this Midianite group. I want to bring him, but I'm going to have to allow some problems so that I can get you to a place of recognizing there's more to winning than just winning this little thing. Because you want to win this little thing when God's got a whole battle for you to win. God's got a whole thing. You, you want to win this little argument. You ever been with a person and argued with somebody and they always have to have the last word? This, they always have to have the last, even if the last word is so, or if the last word is yeah, or whatever. They have to have the last word. Isn't it the most annoying thing? Because whenever you have to have the last word, you're basically telling God he gets no word. When God has the last word, many times I have to stand back and go, oof, that was okay, God. Because God's word many times will pierce the depths of my soul, the depths of my heart, the depths of my emotion, the depths of my will. There's things God's told me to do, and very honestly, I didn't want to do. In fact, I told God I think he's wrong. And God has the wrong guy. It's not me. You want the other guy. You want the other family. You want the other church. God goes, no, it's you. I'm going to take you through, and I'm going to show you. But God... How come you're not doing it to that family? I got something for that family. I'm doing it in your family. Sometimes we, we try to compare ourselves to what others are going through. Well, how come they're not going? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their trial is. You don't know what their difficulties. Maybe they're smiling on the outside, but you don't know what they're wrestling with on the inside. You don't know the things that they've had to go through to get to where they're at. Nobody gets to levels in God without struggles of climbing the ladder. There's always going to be a temptation to let go of the ring. There's always going to be a temptation not to grab the next ring. Because every time you go to grab the next ring, you're going to leave yourself exposed. And you're going to come under attack. The enemy does not want you to climb. And you have to recognize what is of God, what isn't of God. And realize that God is for you. God will be your help. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But realize your victory and the way you count victory and the way he counts victory is differently. People who are always looking at stuff negatively will never get anything in God. You ever met that negative person who's just always negative about everything? They see God negative. They see people negative. They see their friends negative. Everything's negative. Nothing's positive. Everything's negative. Or people that always have a mindset of poverty. They never can afford anything. They can never do anything. They have a poverty mindset. They have a poverty thought of God. God is, is a poverty God. God is not a provider. If you think God is poor or God is not a provider, you don't have a right concept of God. Until you discover who God really is, you'll never discover who you really are. Until you discover who God really is. I can't tell you how many people go to the grave not knowing who they were really called to be. Just because you lived a good life and died doesn't mean you achieved everything God had for you. A lot of people, a lot of people have missed things in God because they didn't understand who God called them to be. 
Who has God called you to be? What has God called you to do? What is God's plan for your life? Do you even know it? Or are you just living this life kind of going through everything's good? I'm reminded of the story in 2 Kings 6. You don't have to turn there. I'll just tell it to you. And it's the story of Elisha and his servant. And the story of Elisha and his servant goes like this. There was an army that came against the city they were in. And the servant looked up and saw all these horsemen and all these soldiers standing around and went to Elisha and said, we're going to die. We are surrounded. We are completely surrounded. There is no hope. There is no way we're going to do. And he said to, the, to, to Elisha, he says, oh, sir, what will we do now? And Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. But then Elisha said these words. He said, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The young man opened his eyes, and when he looked, not only did he see the armies against him, but he saw the armies of God surrounding them. Don't you understand there's more beyond what you see in the natural. There's a whole supernatural host. There's a whole supernatural group of an army that's ready to be disposed on your behalf. Don't you realize that God's got a bigger plan than what you can see in the natural? God knows exactly what he's doing. And sometimes we just need to open our eyes and see God is doing something. We need to pray. I love Elisha praying. He said, God, Open the servant's eyes. Some of us need to pray and say, Lord, open my eyes. That situation you think God's not working in, that situation you think surrounding you and you're going to die and it's not going to work and everything's going to fall apart, that situation you see the horses mounted, you see everything mounted against you, you see armies coming against you, you see no way out. you got to realize there is another army standing behind getting ready to defeat that which is trying to defeat you. God's arm is not too short. He's able to reach, he's able to interfere any situation. His problem wasn't that God wasn't there. His problem was he couldn't see him. God was already there. Elisha had already seen the host. Elisha wasn't nervous. Elisha was chilling. Like, yeah, we're good. We got this. And the servant's in an outright panic. What are we going to do? They're going to wipe us out. Open your eyes. Ask the Lord, show me. I need to see. Because once you see what God is doing, it'll change what you are saying. Once you see what God is doing, it'll change the anxiety and the stress in you. Well, these children, these children, this job, my husband, my wife, my, this situation, my finances, my health. Once you see what God is doing, God knows. Our challenge is we don't always trust God to do that. And for those of us who are control freaks, I shouldn't use that word. Let me just raise my hand and say I, I be one of those. God will let some things be out of our control because he wants to be in control. 
And are you willing to give control to God or do you have to control the situation? Because if you have to control the situation, like me, you'll ruin the situation. Sometimes God will just say, don't say anything. And you know that this deserves a response. That what your boss just said to you deserves a response. What that person, your neighbor just said to you, you know you've got the perfect response. And the Lord says, just love him. I love them. <laughs> I got some love for them. <laughs> and sometimes we actually ruin what God is trying to do because we say or do the wrong thing because the truth is we don't trust God to do what he's going to do. I promise you, God will do a better job with my children than I will. I've got children at the age where it scares me. When they were three and four and five, it was a different scary. It was what are they going to eat from the ground scary. <laughs> but 22, 23, 24, I'm like, are they going to serve God scary? And, and I have to trust God. He's got a bigger plan than I've got. I have to look around and go, oh, there he is. There's God. Oh, there's he's working. He's got him. He's got her. All right, God. I've got to grow my faith. See, Gideon's issue wasn't God. It was him and his view of God. Open your eyes. The second thing, Gideon saw that his tribe was wrong. He said, you know, I, I'm, I'm a part of this tribe. Let's read verse 14 and 15. So God turns to, the Lord turns to Gideon and says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Gideon replied, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. My clan is so weak that I'm even the least in my entire family. That's what Gideon thought about his family, his tribe. If you continue to see people around you and yourself as weak, if you continue to see people that are part of your upbringing, your family, well, you know, I was bought, uh, the way I was brought up, it was terrible. I was brought up in a bad situation. My upbringing, my family, my culture, my life, my street, my job, my everything. If you, consider, if you look around your tribe and you see everything weak, or let's say your church, you say, you know, church is weak. The church isn't doing anything. The church is this church. And you see everything as weak as those around you and there's no strength around you. You will never be able to accomplish what God wants you to do. If you consider that you think, well, I think the church should be doing this or the church should be doing that or the tribe should be doing this and doing that. Here's the problem. We don't have a right view of the church. We don't have a right view of our own tribe in the church. We don't have a right view of things. And it messes us up when it comes to when God says, I want you to do this. Well, no, you know, 
Our church, we can't. You know, we live in Rochester. You know, Rochester, the crime rate in Rochester. You know, the child poverty rate in Rochester is top five in the nation. You know, God, we really can't pull this off. You know, God, you don't know where we live. You don't know how we were brought up. You don't know, God, the limitations in my home. You know, I, I, I've been a victim. I've been oppressed. I've been a, as soon as you start buying into all those things, see, I hate it when people buy into I'm a victim. When people buy into them, I'm oppressed. I'm always going to be oppressed. I'm always, I'm never going to be achieved. Who told you that? Who told you that you can't do what God told you you can do? Who said you were less than? Who said you were the weakest tribe of Israel? We're the weakest tribe. We're the weakest tribe. What is that, a trophy? Congratulations, you're the weakest. Here you go. Get in and you're the weakest of the weak. Congratulations, you won the prize. Now we can all have sympathy on you and you won't do squat for God. Some people take pride in being weak. You know why? It's easier to be weak than it is to be strong. Because to be strong means you need to have some substance in you. To be strong means you need to have a relationship with God. And I'm talking about strong in Christ. A lot of people may be strong in voice. A lot of people may be gruff in voice, but they have no power in God. They say stuff, but there's no power that comes through them. They have ideas, but there's nothing of God that's fueling the ideas. And so sometimes you can look strong, but you're actually weak. Other people look weak, but they're actually strong. You're going to be surprised. I'm going to be surprised when we get to heaven who was really strong and who wasn't. You're going to find a whole row of intercessors in the penthouse (laughs) that you never heard their name. And you may find a whole row of preachers down in the basement floor I'm telling you, God measures things differently than the way we measure stuff. And God wants us to see ourselves as strong in him. My family, when I became saved, my family now became the family of God. I was adopted into Christ's family. I'm adopted into God's family. That's the strongest family on earth. Why would I say God's family is weak? Why would I say, here he is, a part of the tribe of Manasseh. That's still part of the children of Israel. Why would you say that your family is weak unless you don't understand who your family is? Thus, if you don't understand who your family is, family of God, you won't understand who you are. Gideon had no clue who you, all he saw was his weak and Midianites kept beating up on them. Midianites kept destroying them. And he saw himself as weak. The third problem. The way Gideon saw himself was wrong. Gideon saw himself wrong. The very first words that the angel of the Lord said to him in verse 12. The angel of the Lord looked at Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Very first words, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon must have went, who are you talking to? That's not, I, 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 and he went on to say, that's not me. You don't understand. I'm not that mighty. I'm not that strong. And God was trying to tell him, this is what I've called you to be. This is who I've called you to be. And we need to start believing who God says we are. Who are you to tell God, no, I'm not? That's a form of pride. God, you got it wrong. You don't know 
God, I, I'm not that strong. Come on, mighty man of valor. I ain't all that. Who are you to tell God you aren't? Yet Gideon is telling God, no, I'm not mighty. I'm not strong. I'm not brave. I'm not a man of valor, man of strength, a man of influence. I'm not a great warrior. God is calling you to be a mighty man and woman of God. God's calling the church to be mighty men and women of God. You say, well, I don't think that's me. No, it is you. Well, maybe it's for the online church. No, it's for them and you here in person. It's for both of you. Maybe it's for those who are living out of state. Yep, it's for them too. It's for everybody. God's calling his church to be mighty men and women of God. He's calling his church to know who they are in Christ. And the truth is, nobody cares about your past failures. Nobody cares about your past struggles. Nobody cares about your past mistakes. Nobody cares that you may made some mistakes before. You didn't get it right. You, didn't, you have fears. You have discouragement. You have depression. Nobody cares what went on. They care about you, but that doesn't define you. That is not who you are. And when you can arise, and he, God was trying to get in, get out of your place of hiding. Get out of your place, because he was in a place of hiding. He was in a place of fear. He was in a place of depression. He was in a place of discouragement. He was in a place of feeling as though there's no way this is his lot in life. And God is trying to get you out of your place of hiding. And God is looking for us to take on a new name. God is not afraid to give you a new name. God is not afraid to give you new steps to be able to get out of the way you're in and into the place you need to go. But many times we struggle because of the issues of life. Maybe we're struggling with our finances. Maybe we're struggling in relationships. We're struggling with our children. We're struggling with our parents. We're struggling with our job. We're struggling with our city. We're struggling with our nation. We're struggling with whatever it is. Whatever you're struggling with, God is not limited to your struggles. He doesn't look at that and go, yeah, you're right. You know what? You're right. You'll never get out. You're right. Yeah. Your children will never turn around. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. I'm out. God doesn't look at it that way. God says it a second time to him. Not only verse 12, but I just read verse 14. He says, and then the Lord again, after Gideon said what he said, the Lord said, go with the strength that you have and rescue the Israelites from the Midianites. I am sending you. I don't know about you. But if I know God is sending me, you can give me the whole military of the United States. If I've got God on my side, I know God is sending me. You can send any, you can give all the militaries from around the world. If I know God is on my side and God is sending me, notice what he said to him. He said, go with the strength you already have. How many times do we wait because we don't feel we're strong enough? And God says, you've got more strength than you think. Go with the strength and I will be with you. See, when you take a step and you begin to take that step of faith, God then adds his step with your step. God then adds his power with your faith. As soon as you take a step, because faith without works, we heard earlier, is dead. I've got to take a step. 
I've got to believe God, and I've got to take God. It may be something radical. It may be something everybody condemns you for. Many times the things of God, people around you aren't going to understand. The things of God, people around you are going to condemn you. Why are you doing that? Why are you going this direction or that direction? You have to know what God has said. And I'm talking what God has said, not what you think, but when God says, take this step, Gideon, move with where God wants you to go. Take a step. Take the step in faith. Realize I am with you. Lead with the strength you have. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Well, I'll follow that guy. No, I'm calling you to lead. But I'm the least. I'm calling you to lead. And then he says it again in verse 16. So now he says it three times. Third time he says to him, and the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you are fighting against one man. You're going to destroy these guys. In fact, you're going to destroy them so bad, you're going to think you're going to need thousands of soldiers. I'm going to show you how you can win with hundreds. I'm going to show you how you can win with less. You're going to think, I need more. I need more of this. I need more of that. I'm going to show you how you can win with less. And I'm going to show you how your faith is going to cause you to get victory. See, I'm changing your definition of victory. I'm changing the way you think about me, about myself, about yourself, about my people. I'm changing the way you think. Realize, I've got big plans. I've got huge plans. God's not done with America. God's not done with Rochester. God's not done with your family. God's not done with your home. God's not done with you. I've got big plans. Go with the strength that you have. Rochester shall be saved. Okay, God, I hear you, but. Verse 17, 18. And then Gideon says, okay, God, if, if, at least he got to if. If this is really you, uh, I need a sign. Can you give me a sign? Maybe during the tour de force or something. I need a sign. I need something that says, go this way. I need a sign. God says, all right, I got your sign for you. And he gives him a sign. Then he goes down a little further and says, all right, God, I I, I think now I got to put out a fleece. See, Gideon was so full of unbelief, he didn't know how much of unbelief he really had. You got to ask for a sign. You got to ask for a fleece. And God didn't say, forget you, Gideon. God said, all right, whatever you need to do, I got to get you where I need you to be. You need a fleece? Go after a fleece. All right, God, well, if you make the sponge wet and the ground dry, then I know it's you. All right, God, the next day, if you make the sponge dry and the ground wet, then I know it's you. This, 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 this man, he had some issues. <laughs> he had some problems. All right, God, if it's really you. And it was really God. And you know what God and his love did? He said, all right, I'll give you a sign. Come here, I'll give you a little fleece. You know what I love about this story that sometimes gets overlooked? At least Gideon kept talking. At least Gideon kept asking. At least Gideon said, well, all right, if it's you. And see, God knows you. He knows it may take the person next to you a different road than it takes you. Some people, you ever been around the person 
who just says, well, just do it. I'm like, well, that's easy for you to say. Because for some people, it is easy for them to say. But for you, it's not. And God knows that. And God will give you the grace. God will give you the strength. God will give you the wisdom. But you have to step in and go, all right, God, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. Just tell me you're with me. The end of the story is this. Tremendous victory. Tremendous, miraculous victory that came. Freedom that came to his people. But here's the understanding of this passage. It's this, and I'll close with this. God wants to give you what you need so that you'll do what he wants you to do. Well, doesn't God just care about my life for me to do what I want to do? No, he doesn't. Pastor, that's a little cold. No, he doesn't. When God designed you, he had a plan in mind. He will let you spin over here while you do your own thing. And then he will pull you back and go, okay, here's the, are we ready to do this yet? God doesn't change his mind about you. God, when God made you, and the Bible says he formed us in our mother's womb. When God formed you, the Bible says he knew you. He knew who you were called to be and what you were called to do. He knew the plans that he had for you. He will allow you to spin over. God doesn't look at you at age 40 and go, I think I got it wrong. I, I think I messed up. I, you know what? I thought when they had them in the womb, I thought it was this, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's that. This is why people go to their grave unfulfilled. Because they do what they want rather than what God wants. And the enemy will always give you... See, the enemy's not afraid of you doing your thing. The enemy's afraid of you doing God's thing. Because that's where the fulfillment comes. That's where the power comes. That's where the relationship comes. Because when I'm doing my thing, my relationship with God is a little sideways. But when I'm doing his thing, it comes in, everything comes into alignment. And I, I, I don't want to be a little sideways. I want to come into alignment. And God will tell me to do things that are hard. God will tell me to do things that I'm going to have to really ask the Lord to show me, God, how do I do this? And if I can put my trust in him. You know, I, I love the scripture, uh, Isaiah 54, 1. It says, sing, O barren, sing. You that have not born. There is a promise that God gives to those that feel barren, those who feel hopeless, those who feel like, man, I feel like I can never get going the right way. You know what he tells you to do? Sing. You know what the thing you don't want to do when you've just been through a time of barrenness? Sing. You know, when I know that I've been through a time of defeat, or a time of discouragement, or a time of depression, the last thing I want to do for me is worship God. Now, I don't mind sitting reading the Bible. I don't mind sitting and thinking. But to actually open my mouth takes work. Because I have to now worship Him. 
And God knows to break barrenness and to break hopelessness and to break depression and to break discouragement, you've got to sing. You've got to open your mouth. And notice what he says to Isaiah in Isaiah 54. He says, sing, O barren, sing. You're going to begin to expand to the left and to the right. The more you sing, the more you worship, the more you align yourself with me, the more you align yourself with my presence, I'm going to begin to open. I'm going to tell you to stretch out your tent this way. Stretch out your pegs this way. Build that addition on your house. There's more children coming. Well, God, I just lost a child. I'm bringing more children that's coming your way. Well, God, I just lost this. I'm bringing another job. I'm bringing another relationship. Well, God, I don't have this. Sing, O barren, sing. I don't know what you don't have. I don't know where you think that God has failed you. But I promise you, God has not failed you. But he's trying to bring you from a place of barrenness to a place of fruitfulness. He's trying to bring you from a place of discouragement to a place of victory. He's trying to show you you can become who he's called you to be. You don't have to stay barren. For some people, they've been barren. They've been struggling. They've been in the grind for a long time. And it just feels like they've got no traction. They've got no, nowhere. But God wants to lift you up today. And God wants to encourage you today and say, just begin to sing. Just begin to let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. Just begin to let my presence and my goodness take over. I know when I'm feeling overwhelmed that one thing that I don't want to do is sing, but the one thing I do do is sing. I've said this all the time. I've said this so many times. God has taught me so much about his presence when I'm in a place of despair. He's taught me so much how singing can change the temperature of the room. Did you feel it this morning? The whole room just shifted. There was a shift in the room, and we were just singing to God, speaking of God's goodness, speaking of God's grace. The whole room shifted. Do you realize there can be people in a room like this that everything's shifting, and they're just standing there like this? Because the enemy wants to keep you in a place of barrenness. The enemy wants to keep you in a place of unfruitfulness or hopelessness. Or he wants to just keep you in a place where you're never going to get there with God. You can get there. But God wants to make you fruitful, give you a vision for expansion. God's got big plans. And he's going to do great things in your life. He wants to take you to a place of becoming victorious in every area of your life. Let's stay with you. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.